Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We continue our study uh, through the pastoral epistles. Now, we finished 1 Timothy last week. Now, we're at about a four-year gap between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Uh, in chronological order, this is Paul's last letter. He's very close to being beheaded now. Uh, one of his prison letters. Very, very close to being beheaded. And, you know, it, it breaks my heart because remember how in previous letters to Timothy uh, and, and even to churches, how he would say, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, but now what's happening in the life of Paul is that things are panning out differently. Uh, he's in prison and he's going to be beheaded. Um, and on top of that, more people are leaving Paul. You know, it just blows me away so much because where does he fit? Where does he fit? He's Roman, but does he fit in with the Romans? He's Jewish, but does he fit in with the Jews? He's Christian, but does he fit in with the church? I mean, you know, we would kind of look at this and be like, well, absolutely he fits in with the church. But does he really fit in with the church? I mean, Christians are starting to leave him. And, you know, what about this, you know, that we have the larger bubble of the church and then we have a smaller bubble of ministry leaders and even they're leaving Paul. And it, it hurts. I mean, just to consider the life of Paul. And there's something interesting that we see, not just in the life of Paul, we see it in, in Stephen, we see it in Christ, we see it in the apostles. But when you're crucified with Christ, and you know, there's the verse, you know, I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And a lot of people say that, and I know it sounds very harsh and abrasive for to, to hear it put that way, that you know, a lot of people say it, but does it really apply? And I know it seems harsh to say that, but let's be honest with ourselves. When you analyze self and the works of self, who is it that can say, I am crucified with Christ. Of course, the verse is there. You know, I'm crucified with Paul. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But don't forget, that's those are Paul's words. Paul says that of himself, that he is crucified with Christ, that there is it is no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. That's what Paul says of himself. Now, that's not to say that we cannot say that of ourselves. It's not to say that in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of times Christians lean on that. Well, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Come on, let's go get, let's go get baked. Come on, let's go do our lines. Come on, let's go cook spoons. Let's go to the strippers. Let's go worship Mary. Let's go do the Buddha. Let's go do the Ouija boards. Let's be tax cheats. You know, let's cheat on our taxes so we can get a little extra money. 
You see, let's go to the casinos and let's pray that we'll make some money. We'll get big earnings at the casinos. Can such a person say, I am crucified with Christ? Can such a person say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me? Can such a person say that? And I know that hearing that, that's like, whoa, what in the world is this guy talking about? I get it. I understand completely. But at the same time, understand that these are one-on-one letters. The pastoral epistles, these are one-on-one. This isn't Paul writing to the church and a group of Christians, a body of saints. This is Paul writing to Timothy, pastor to pastor. And these are not run-of-the-mill pastors, you know, uh, uh, Paul and and Titus, or uh, uh, Timothy and Titus. You know, Paul writes to uh, Timothy and Paul writes to Titus too. And we're going to study Titus when we're done with 2 Timothy. But then at the same time, in chronological order, this 2 Timothy Timothy is Paul's last letter. These are one-on-one letters. Of Paul, you see crucifixion. Of Timothy, you see crucifixion. Of Titus, you see crucifixion. Of Peter, you see crucifixion. Of Eunice and Lois, you see crucifixion. Of Phoebe, Lydia, Chloe, you see crucifixion. But can it be said of just anybody? I mean, let's be honest. Let's be straight up. And when you are crucified with Christ, expect opposition. And, you know, when I say expect opposition, there are varying degrees of that. There are varying degrees of opposition. I mean, you could be crucified with Christ where it is no longer you who lives, but Christ lives in you. And some people might say, well, you're just a dummy. Oh, you're such a dummy. You're so stupid, they might make fun of you. And that's one degree of opposition. But there might be other people that want to punch you in the face. They want to threaten you. Don't you dare speak about Jesus. They might want to send a message through beating you like you know if you want to believe in christianity if you want to believe in jesus christ then you know this is what you're going to get here's your example of what you're going to get and this happens in persecuted regions regions of heavy persecution this is happening today i teach from america and in america and in western cultures we're trapped in this bubble of you know it's almost like a facade because when you leave and you go to areas where it's persecuted in arab countries in africa certain regions of china uh uh, in russia where there's heavy persecution i mean some you might go to church and you see the pastor's head on a stake that's you know message received that sends a message when you see the pastor's head on a stake That sends a message. There are varying degrees of opposition. And the more you're crucified with Christ, expect it. Expect opposition. It might be somebody saying, oh, you're just such a dummy. Well, you expect opposition. It might be somebody who punches you in the face. 
Expect opposition. It might be somebody that threatens you. If you don't shut up about Jesus, we're going to chop off your head. It might even be death. Varying degrees of opposition. But in either case, expect opposition and expect solitude. And I don't say this to shame anybody in any way, shape, or form. It's not said to shame. But there are some attributes of shame. And it's not directed at a person or a group of people. But the attributes of shame is that very few get to taste of this very beautiful cup. This solitude, like Paul, like Timothy. I mean, put yourself in Chloe's shoes. Put yourself in Chloe's shoes. You know, you remember, if you've been walking with us for a while and you reflect back on our studies in 1 Corinthians, where everybody, the, the, the mega churches in town, you know, the bright lights and big city of Corinth, and you have the mega church, all the populace of Christians, all of Christianity, they go to the big church and they got, you know, Mr. Popularity Pastor, Mr. Popularity Elders, and they got all these things going. It's like, wow, look at what the Lord is doing in Corinth. And Chloe is the one that says, no, I cannot submit myself to this freak show pastor. Because the formula is wrong in the pastor. This pastor who's permitting the sex and the alcohol and the extortion. This pastor who doesn't, per, who doesn't say anything about it. Okay, so there's this pastor of this megachurch. So maybe I'll go to this other megachurch. And nope, that pastor's a freak show too. And maybe I'll go to this other church. Okay, that pastor's a freak show too. I'll go over here. No, nope, that pastor's a freak show too. Go over here, freak show, here, freak show, here, freak show. What am I going to do? I mean, put yourself in Chloe's sandals. What am I going to do? I know that the Bible says I have to, you know, Brother Paul, you know, Brother Paul has exhorted me to that it's good to submit myself to a pastor. But Brother Paul also equipped me to know. He told me the formula. He told me the formula of who I should submit myself to. And there's this guy over here. Everybody loves him. They call him pastor this, pastor this. And he's got the pastor parking spot. And, you know, he's got, he's got all the likes. But I remember what Paul told me. And this guy's a straight up freak show. Look at the fruit in the church. There's this guy having sex with his dad's wife. Don't forget it takes two to tango. The wife was in on it. See, you got the extortion, you got the alcoholism, you got all kinds of works in the flesh, and you have these so-called overseers who say nothing about it. Oh, let's just love on each other and let God take care of the rest. Don't forget, God handles business. God cleans house, but he uses his vessels. He does it himself. And when he does it himself, that's more of judgment. And remember, judgment comes first to the church. Prophetically speaking, judgment comes first to the church. And God cleans house. You know, when he, he, he does it himself, which is more of a, you know, a judgment type of thing. 
it, just like we see in the Old Testament when, when God moves. But then at the same time, he also uses his vessels. And when he uses his vessels, those vessels, they got to be clean. Just look at the warrior. If you, if, you, if, you, if you walk with us, you know, our studies on Wednesday, look at the warriors. Look at the fighters. With Aiken, they lose. Without Aiken, they win. You see? Nothing mangy. Aiken's been taken care of. Aiken's been addressed. Now we have victory. You see? And look at the priesthood. Cleanliness. Only the clean can clean. Only the pure can purify. You see? We have these Old Testament examples, but what about the church today? And when you put yourself in Chloe's sandals, where does she fit in? Where in the world does she fit in? Can you picture like the other females? Hey, Chloe, you know, come to church, you know, and speaking Christianese. And, and Chloe, just in her conscience, which is right before the Lord, she cannot do it. It's not that that's a bad thing on her, but it's a bad thing on the pastors. It's a bad thing for those churches. And so what does Chloe do? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Chloe. She says, you know what? I can't submit to this freak show. I can't submit to this freak show. I can't submit to this freak show. Freak show number one, freak show number 10, freak show number 20, every, all these freak shows. I cannot submit to them biblically in obedience to the Lord. I cannot submit myself to them because they're not watching out for my soul. They're watching out for their belly. They're watching out for their, uh, their, their wallets. They're watching out for, you know, a little something else. I don't want to get graphic, but they're watching out for other things. I can't submit myself to these freaks. They're not watching out for my soul. And so what does she do? She goes in her beautiful home. Beautiful Chloe goes in her beautiful home and starts a fellowship. Saints who gather in Chloe's house. Now, understanding formula, she knows that, you know, uh, women are not permitted to teach the men. So in light of that, because, you know, it, it, in submission to what she was taught by Paul. Think of all the beautiful women that gathered. They all They were like Chloe's. Yeah, Chloe, you're right. This guy is a freak show. Yeah, Chloe, you're right. This guy is a freak show over here. This other guy, he's a freak show. What time is your fellowship? What time is your meeting? When is it? And then they gather home fellowship. The last day's model, home fellowship. You see? And when you expect not just opposition, and you expect solitude. Consider the solitude of Chloe. Consider the solitude of Chloe before the home fellowship. When she was, you know, looking for a church, she couldn't find a church. Where do I fellowship? Yes, the fellowship of the saints is beautiful, but there are specific, there's a specific formula to the fellowship of the saints. It's not a social club. I don't want to feel like I'm going to a nightclub. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm going to go to, you know, talk politics. And I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to go to where, I want to go to where I'm fed the word of God. Tries out one place. She sees, okay, the fruit looks like this. The fruit looks like this. Not good here. Not good here. The sex over here. The extortion over here. The alcohol over here. Okay, the guy's a freak show. 
People love him. They get called pastor this, pastor that. They treat him like, you know, he's... Like, 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 oh, what a wonderful guy. But because Chloe knows formula, no, guy's a freak show. There are some times when I wish, I wish I could take all the women in the church and speak to them. There are times when I wish I could take all the men in the church and just speak to them, you know, to the women and just all the women and then all the men and then kids like, you know, uh, teenage girls, teenage boys, you know, even like toddlers, little toddlers. There's times I wish I could just take all the toddlers and just teach them. T- times I could take all the teenage boys, all the teenage girls and just teach them. And then there's times when I can, I wish I could take all the pastors, all the pastors and just teach them. Go through the word of God. Go through the Bible. Because it's explicitly clear. You know, the the Lord doesn't make it difficult. We're the ones that... we, 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 We try to make things difficult. You know, there's the, you know, deconstructionism. Deconstructionism. You know, Karl Barth. I call him Barth. I know it's Bart, but I call him Barth. Because he's crazy. Deconstructionism? He deconstructs. The problem is, is that he reconstructs terribly. Then you have all these, you know, these young pastors fresh out of seminary, young pastors fresh out of, you know, theology school, and they do their deconstructions. Oh, you know, look at the, the, the deconstructionism. Look how cool this is to deconstruct. The problem is they don't put it back together properly. I mean, deconstructionism, there's error in that too. Why not just let the text be the text? Why not just let the word of God speak? Why not just let the word of God teach? A lot of pastors want to be Mr. Popular. And being Mr. Popular, if you're a pastor and you desire to be Mr. Popular, don't do that. Because when you taste of this cup of solitude, I meant Paul is in prison. This bubble, I mean, remember, you know, when we're in the book of Acts and you hear us talk about the, 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 the bubble of Paul and how beautiful it is, the larger bubble of the church, but then there's a smaller bubble of the ministry leaders and then the even smaller bubble of pastors. Which it's beautiful to see the bubble. It's beautiful to see the bubble expand and grow. But what about when the when the bubble gets smaller? What about when the bubble gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and people start to leave him? They don't like him anymore. They get seduced of the the, the bright lights in big city. They get seduced in the ways of the world. They get seduced in the flesh. They get seduced in old man Paul writing a letter to beautiful, beautiful Pastor Timothy. This is a one-on-one letter. This is not an exhortation to the church, not an exhortation to Christians. It's an exhortation to a pastor.
pastor to pastor. It's not to say that if you're not a pastor, it's not to say that you cannot be exhorted by it because we certainly can. But understand that this is to Timothy. You see? In this beautiful cup of solitude, In the flesh, solitude. But in the spirit, remember the red letters in the book of Acts? When everybody was telling Paul, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, go, don't go to Jerusalem. What was the spirit saying to Paul? Chains and tribulations await you, Paul. Where were the red letters? The red letters were with Paul. Oh, Paul's all alone, Paul's all alone. But where were the red letters? And I wish I could take all the pastors. I wish I could take all the pastors. Don't be Mr. Popularity. You teach the word of God. These are sobering realities that we have to be, we have to be ready for. And it is prophesied. That the church will be asleep. It is prophesied that the church will be under apostasy. In a, in a state of apostasy, it is prophesied that Christians will be asleep. At a time when we all need to be awake. But where are the pastors? And you put yourself in Paul's sandals. In prison. And people are leaving him. People are leaving him. No longer, oh, that's just, I don't want to listen to Paul anymore. I'm done with him. Put yourself in Chloe's sandals. Oh, Chloe, you're so stupid. So what? There's the sex over here, the drugs over here, the alcohol over here, extortion. Look, the guy, look, he's doing better for himself, you know? Upward mobility. Look, so what if he extorts? Look, he's doing so well. Look, you know, God is providing. God is providing. Oh, Chloe, you're so dumb. Where does she fit in? You see, there's a way of the world. And there's a way of the saint. Choose. Balls in your court. The way of the saint is obedience to the word of God, but that cannot be forced. Each person, male, female, young, old, has to choose for himself or choose for herself. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care male, female. In Christ, there is no male, female. I don't care if you're in ministry or you're not in ministry. I don't care if you're in the pew or if you're in the pulpit. Everybody has to make a choice for themselves. And in this beautiful letter, four years after 1 Timothy, and Paul's, you know, very close to being beheaded. And his exhortation, beautiful, beautiful exhortation to his son in the faith. Little Timmy, not so little anymore. 
And so we start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle is a messenger of Jesus Christ. By the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And this is so beautiful because it's like, wait a second. You see this? It's like, wait, Paul is already living. And he's talking about the promise of life. He's already living. But in Christ, there's a new way of life, a promise of eternal life. And that promise of eternal life, it is only available in and through Christ Jesus. Only. One way. He is the only way. Buddha can't do it. Mary can't do it. Krishna can't do it. The crystals, the chakras can't do it. Only Jesus Christ. You see, the promise of eternal life, it's only found in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're listening and you know, you're like, oh my goodness, like you, you didn't, you didn't know, you might say like, I, I didn't know that. Or maybe you say, I thought I knew, but you know, I was going to the great soaker church and he taught me wrong. I was going to the mark of the beast church and you know, it, you hear me say that, you know, listen to the message. Do not take the mark of the beast. And you'll hear pastors who teach, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. It's part of the deception of the last days. Don't worry. It's prophesied that the church will be in apostasy in the last days. It is prophesied that the church will be asleep in the last days. How does that happen? I don't look at the Christians. I don't look at the saints. I don't look at the pews. You know how it happens? The pulpits. That's how it happens. Nobody teaches. You say, oh, this guy's teaching. Look, he's got his degree. He's got his theology degree. What is he teaching? Is the doctrine sound? Is the formula right? Is he even part of the package deal? And if so, is he package one, package two, package three? Or do we got a full package? Or do we got no package? Formula, formula, formula. There is a promise of eternal life. It's only found in Christ. Only. You can commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. Just hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. You come back, we listen, we grow together. We continue on in our journey together. You see? He says in verse 2 to Timothy, a beloved son. Remember, he says that there is no one as like-minded who sincerely cares for your soul. That's what he says of Timothy. A beloved son. A father in the faith. That's the relationship between Paul and Timothy. 14 years, little Timmy in Paul's bubble. Not so little anymore. Now he's an adult. Now he's pastor. Four years after the previous letter that he received from Paul. And Paul is still in prison. In the previous letter, you know, Timothy, I look forward to coming to see you. You know, I want to come see you. Now, it's not looking so good. According to the flesh. It's not looking so good. A son in the faith. And in this beautiful, beautiful relationship... Remember, Paul says, no one as like-minded who sincerely cares for your state. Paul is not like the average bear. Little Timmy, not so little anymore. He's not like the average bear either. 
because he's been trained and trained well. Equipped and equipped well. He says grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember Paul to Timothy in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. See the inner man. Clean and pure. The inner man. Paul's conscience, the inner man. You say, how can, how can he have a clear conscience when he's in prison? He's in jail. And how can he have a clear conscience? You see? The inner man is clean and pure. Because he's imprisoned because of Christ. See, it's one thing if, you know, uh, somebody goes to jail. It's one thing because, you know, they committed murder. They, you know, they did some, you know, uh, they did some crime. You know, that, you know, you're going to jail because you deserve to be in jail. You know, I'm, I'm in jail. I hate to be here. Well, what did you do? Well, you know, I, I beat this guy up. He's in the hospital now. He's almost dead. And, you know, so they put me in jail. I hate this. Well, it's like, well, you, you, that's what jail is for. You know, you're supposed to, that you're supposed to be there. What do you expect? You expect to like practically kill somebody and you're, you're free to go. But when you have a clear conscience before the Lord, a clear conscience and clean and pure conscience before the Lord, like I didn't do anything. And yet you're in jail. It's in those moments when you can rejoice, just like Peter, that he was counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here. He knows it's not looking so good according to the flesh. He knows that the likelihood of death is very, very high. And yet he has a pure conscience before the Lord. The inner man. For females, my beautiful sisters in Christ, it's the exact same. The inner woman, clean and pure before the Lord. You see? And he says, I thank God in verse 3, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Now he's referencing the early fathers, but you know the the the, uh, 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 the the then the law's fulfillment came. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Paul says of himself that he's of the stock of Benjamin, and in having this pure conscience before the Lord, he says, "As without ceasing, remember you in my prayers night and day." That's Paul in prison and without ceasing night and day praying for little Timmy. I say little Timmy, he's not little, he's an adult. But I wonder how Paul sees him. That's my boy. That's my boy. My son in the faith. night and day without ceasing Paul is telling Timothy I pray for you the two Paul and Timothy 
The two are apart. And their separation, it's for good. I don't mean for good. I mean, like, it's like it's a done deal. Like, they're not going to be together again. They're apart and it's done. But that's according to the flesh. And yet together in spirit. Paul, on his knees before the Lord, praying for this young pastor who he trained, who he equipped. End of the road for Paul. Beginning of the journey for Timothy. Uh, You know, beginning, you know, four years since the first letter, but early in his ministry. Just like we see with Moses and Joshua. End of the road for Moses. Beginning of the journey for for Joshua. And the two, Moses and Joshua, undefiled. When everybody was defiled, them two, undefiled. It reminds me a lot about Paul and Timothy. They're just different. He says in verse 4, Greatly desiring to see you, yearning for this close, intimate fellowship. In verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Being mindful of your tears. This kind of fellowship, remember, one-on-one. Paul and Timothy, this kind of fellowship. Paul unto Timothy, Timothy unto Paul. This kind of fellowship is extremely rare. Extremely rare. I'll say it again. Extremely rare. I mean, remember when Paul would write to the saints, you know, I tell you with tears in my eyes. And you see Paul referencing here in verse 4 that he's mindful of Timothy's tears. They have the same heart. We see that Paul and Timothy, they're no strangers to tears. But there's something else we also see. We also see and understand formula full package. We understand formula. You see, when we look at the tears of Paul and we look at the tears of Timothy, these are two that are not emotional basket cases. I mean, which sometimes you see, I mean, you see, wow, this guy's an emotional basket case or wow, this lady's an emotional basket case. They're different. Yes, they have tears. These tears are different. Because the formula and the recipe with the love and the fear of the Lord, it's so beautiful. It's so exquisite. We're talking full package. And yet they still have tears. This beautiful fellowship. Two people, Paul and Timothy, sincerely caring for the faith of the saints, sincerely caring for the saints, the souls of the saints. 
I mean, when Paul writes to the Corinthian saints, you have 10,000 teachers but one father. Speaking of himself, you know, a father in the faith. You have 10,000 teachers but one father. And then Paul says of Timothy, there's no one as like-minded who sincerely cares for your faith, sincerely cares for your soul. This kind of fellowship, yes, Paul cries. Yes, Timothy cries. But they're not crybabies. They're not emotional basket cases. Their tears are for the saints. We're talking full package. Their tears are for one another in this beautiful intimacy. Now, speaking about tears, never, ever, 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 never follow emotion. Never follow emotion. But there's something that is also true. Never, never, ever, ever, never ignore emotion. See, sometimes I'm not going to follow emotion. So what do they do? They just shut it off. Okay, I'm just going to ignore emotion. No, that's bad. Don't do that. Oh, but you said following emotion is bad. Yes, that's bad. Do not follow emotion, but also do not ignore emotion. What we do with our emotions, whether happy, sad, sorrowful, depressed, anxious, whatever it is, we filter emotion with the word of God. And then we're at a fork in the road. Once emotion is filtered with the word of God, Now comes the doing part. Do I obey or do I disobey? Because so many times people, they follow emotion. Oh, I'm so angry and then they do something stupid. Or I'm so sad and then they do something stupid. Or, you know, I'm so depressed, I'm so anxious and then they do something stupid. But what about, oh my goodness, I'm so sad. And then you filter it with the word of God. You open up the Bible. You read the word of God. You understand what is pleasing and what is displeasing to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, boom, balls in your court. Now, in my sorrow, what do I do? In my joy, what do I do? In my anxiety, in my sorrow, in my depression, what do I do? Well, it's filtered with the word of God. Okay, now what? Now the ball's in our court. Do we obey or do we disobey? You see, you can be so full of anger. And if you didn't do that, end up in jail. And I tell you from experience, I say that to my shame. You know, 20 plus years ago, I say that to my shame. And then you filter with the word of God. And it's like, okay, I'm so angry, but I can't do that. You know, I'm so angry, but I can't say that. I'm so, because, you know, I can't do that because, Lord, now that would be displeasing to you. I I can't say that because, Lord, that would be displeasing to you. And then all of a sudden, it's, that's how we transform. The degree of anger that I have today is far, far, far less than it was 25 years ago. Rage. 25 years ago. And the Lord healed me. You see? 
Never follow emotion, but never ignore emotion. You go to the Lord. You choose to obey Him. See? When we think about the tears of Paul and we think about the tears of Timothy, these aren't crybabies. They're not like the emotional wrecks that you see. I mean, sometimes you see like Christians and they're crying and there's nothing. I'm not saying that, you know, that don't cry. I'm not saying that, but sometimes you see saints in tears and there's nothing wrong with that. But then you look at the formula. Well, okay, you know, this person's a baby. This guy's a baby. And I'm not saying like they're a baby, like that's a bad thing. I'm in their growth in Christ. You know, they're a toddler, spiritual toddler. Okay. He's crying. She's crying. And okay. And it's understandable. It's like, okay. So. I understand the tears, those kind of tears. But then when you look at maturity and you still see the tears, now those tears take on a different meaning. Because it's like, well, why do we see those tears? And when you look at the shepherds, when you look at the pastors and the teachers and the ministry leaders, the ones who care for souls, those tears are different and not just run-of-the-mill pastors. We're talking full package. Full package. Now, at this point, you know, we're, we're done with First Timothy. I mean, you know, for now. You know, we're going to keep going through the Bible, so we'll probably be in First Timothy again in five years, six years, seven years. But as of now, you know, we're, we just wrapped up First Timothy. But there's a lot that, you know, it's not just saying, okay, we're done with First Timothy. Let's move along. No, it's nothing like... When we're done with First Timothy... From my perspective, now we all have the understanding of the package. Not package one, not package two, not package three. We're talking full package. When I say the package, I mean the package. I'm talking full package. The real deal full package. We know exactly what that means. Maybe not exactly what that means because we got some more of the pastoral letters. But we understand full package. So we're not talking, you know, run-of-the-mill pastor, you know, the, the tears of a pastor. Well, there's this guy, you know, he he cries at the pulpit and he also wants to go grave soaking. No, the formula's wrong. Guy's in guy's crazy town, guy's a freak show. You see? And then there's this other pastor who's like stoic, you know, he 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 ignores his emotions and he also says, Go take the mark of the beast, he'll still be saved. The guy's a freak show. We're talking about full package. Formula, everything. That's Paul and Timothy. These aren't the emotional wrecks. Those tears are loaded. Those are different tears. Because those are tears from shepherds who sincerely care for the souls. Of the flock of God. You see. When Paul would write. You know I tell you with tears in my eyes. You know have I become to the Galatian saints. Have I become your enemy. Because I tell you the truth. Am I the bad guy. Because I tell you not to go to the law. Because if if salvation can be achieved, if righteousness could be achieved in the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. And I'm the bad guy for saying that? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? 
These are different tiers. And so Paul, he's saying to young Pastor Timothy that, you know, without ceasing, I pray for you night and day. And yes, I do desire, I yearn for our intimate fellowship and to see you. And also being mindful of your tears in verse 4, that I may be filled with joy. You see? When I call to remembrance, he says in verse 5, the genuine faith that is in you. I love this so much. The genuine faith that is in you. You know, sometimes you hear people say, oh, I love Jesus so much. And oh, yeah, I went to church and that was such a great service. And come on, let's go get drunk. Oh, I love Jesus so much. And oh, yeah. And then they start speaking and it's like expletive, expletive, expletive. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I love Jesus so much. Look, I got the study Bible by this guy who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast. Oh, I love Jesus so much. And look, my pastor says, let's go grave soaking. So I'm going to go grave soaking. Oh, I love Jesus so much. So I'm going to go pray to Mary. That's not Timothy. His faith is genuine without hypocrisy. We're talking full package. And Paul in prison, being filled with joy when he remembers the genuine faith of Timothy. You see, that's, that just, I mean, like, what? There are no bars. You know, and I've had my hands on steel bars, the thick steel bars of jail before. But there are no steel bars on the face of this earth that can take away that joy. When you call to remembrance. Beautiful things of the Lord. When Paul reflects and remembers the genuine faith of little Timmy. And filled with joy. For my beautiful sisters in Christ. Beautiful, beautiful women. Look at what it says here in verse 5. This genuine faith that is in you. Speaking of Timothy. And he says, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. You see? Their beautiful foundation of genuine faith was a springboard to the next generation of leadership. The genuine faith of mama and grandma. You see? Eunice and Lois. This genuine faith that was in them first. And Paul says, and I am persuaded or convinced is in you also. You see? Genuine faith like mama. You see? To my beautiful sisters in Christ whom I love. You know, sometimes I talk to women and it's like, you know, there's this feminist edge to them. And I get it. I mean, 
sometimes when I talk to these, you know, the, the, the feminist edge and I talk to the women and they got the feminist edge, I completely get it. Because it's like, you know, I've had these conversations. The women are like, look, this pastor's a freak show. This pastor's a freak show. This pastor's a freak show. Hey, I'm on board. You're right. This guy is a freak show. This guy is a freak show. I'm on board. But then the women say, so you know what? I'm going to be a pastor. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone there, sister. It's better to be like Chloe. Be a teacher. But teach women. You see? Because remember, Satan exploits little footholds. We don't want him to exploit that. You know, that's like, wow, this guy's a freak show. This guy's a freak show. This guy's a freak show. So what am I going to do? Oh, yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm just going to start my own church. I'm going to be the pastor. It's like, okay, hold on a second. Hold the phone, sister. We got to make sure the formula is right in you. And you can be full package, but at the same time, you cannot have authority. You cannot teach or have authority over men. You see, you cannot biblically, you cannot. Now, a lot of women are like, well, why I can't, you know, they try to make excuses. Well, you know, I know the Bible says that, but that was for another generation and we live in a different time now. So, and they try to make excuses, but no, no, no. It's a very, very holy formula. And I don't say that from a, chauvinistic perspective like okay step aside sister i got this i don't you know it's not to come off like that at all but don't forget my beautiful sisters whom i love you know what a better ministry is to teach and train the next generation you see the children you see, just like Eunice did to her son, little Timmy. I mean, this is like little, little Timmy, like super tiny Timmy. A genuine faith which dwelt first in mama. And that wasn't just a springboard for her son. It was like a launch pad as a rocket ship for her son. Because look at little Timmy now, pastor. And a pastor who's not like the average bear. You see? And how the very formula of these beautiful, beautiful warrior women. I mean, like if I were to go to war, spiritual war, like, you know, look at like, like, you know, we're all in a spiritual war. But I mean, like if it was like, you know, like, you know, you could, you could pick and choose like who you want to, who you want. I'd be like straight up, give me Eunice, give me Lois. The men, eh. You know, if I, if I had a choice, like, okay, who do I want to go to war with? You know, who do I want right at my side? I would, you know, get, I want Eunice. I want Lois. I want Chloe. I want Lydia. I want Phoebe. You see, I want hardcore. The man, you know, I, you know, it's not, you know, if you're, if you're male, I love you. You're my brother in Christ, but we can't be stupid. We have to put on our big boy pants. A lot of men, you know, they got the big arms, they got the hairy chest, they got the deep voice. But they're little tiny babies. Little tiny babies with their milk bottles. I see the higher concentration of warriors among females. Now for my sisters in Christ, it's not to say like, oh, you know what, step aside, you can't be pastor, you know, let the men handle this. No, that's stupid. And you see that with men sometimes. 
It's stupid. Look at Chloe. She understands formula. Oh, I can't go to this fellowship. I can't submit to this guy because he's a freak. I can't submit to this guy because he's a freak show. I can't submit to this guy because he's a freak show. I can't submit myself to this guy because he's a freak show. Oh my goodness. What am I going to do? And then the Lord leads her. Home fellowship. Teach the women. And they're the ones that alert Paul. They're male covering. You see? Submission to Paul. Like totally bypassing the freak show men going to the male covering. And then the Lord cleans house using Chloe and those in her, that home fellowship. And then using Paul. And the Lord cleans house using his vessels. You see? I mean, if the Lord were to clean house himself, like, you know, not using his vessels, like we're talking judgment. We're talking like, you know, like that's not good. You see, that moment is coming. I mean, the last day's prophecy is about judgment of, of from the Lord com coming to the church first. Before it comes to the land. You see? And sometimes I have these conversations with women and they're just so fed up with the freak shows. And listen, if you're female, my beautiful sister in Christ... I'm on board. I'm fed up with the freak shows too. But in order, as prophesied, in order for the church to be in a state of apostasy, in order for the church to be asleep, there has to be a rise of the freak show. And that's what we're experiencing right now. You see, it's happening. We're, I mean, we're here. Look around. Look around. Look at what is happening. Look, look around. You don't need me to tell you. Look around. The state of the church is not pretty. I mean, you could walk into a church and see the facade. And it's like, well, okay, this looks nice. This looks nice. And you look at the people. People got their smiles. People got this. People got that. But when you look under the hood... You see extortion, you see alcohol, you see, you know, all kinds of sex and all, you know, the, the molestation. You see all kinds of wickedness when you look under the hood and the Lord, he sees it all. But for my beautiful sisters in Christ, you're fed up with the freak show pastors. I'm on board. But There has to be a rise of the freak show pastors in order for the church to be apostate, as prophesied, in order for the church to be asleep, as prophesied. And every jot, every tittle will come to pass, will be fulfilled. And if you're fed up, the answer isn't, you know, okay, you know, I'm just going to, you know, tie the bootstraps and you know what, I'm the pastor now. No, 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 no. Because we understand formula. Now there could be a, a, a fellowship of women. I mean, I know some women who are like, they have a fellowship of women. And like, hey, if I were to go to war, like, I want her. If I were to go to combat, you know, give me Eunice, give me Lois, give me Lydia, give me Chloe, give me hardcore. 
That's who I want to go to war with. Men, I love you, but you know, come on. No more baby bottles. For my beautiful sisters, don't forget a better ministry. The children. The little ones. Eunice. The genuine faith faith that first dwelt in her. The genuine faith that first dwelt in Lois. I mean, generationally speaking, picture Lois pouring into Eunice. Eunice pouring into Timothy. Timothy's got like a double whammy. Warrior Lois, warrior Eunice. He didn't just have a springboard. He had like a straight up like launch pad, like straight up like rocket ship. You see? And when we understand formula, sisters, you can be fed up. I'm fed up too. But when we understand formula, it's like, okay, we have to operate within the confines of obedience so that we, you and me, can have a clear conscience before the Lord. You see? Knowing that Satan exploits these footholds. You see? In verse 6, Therefore, I remind you, you know, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Just like we see in the Old Testament, just like we see with Moses. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And Paul is pouring into Timothy. Therefore, I remind you in verse 6 to stir up the gift of God. This is to re-enkindle is how it translates. Re-enkindle the fire. You know, fires don't burn forever. Fires don't burn forever Unless, unless they're given proper care. When given proper care and attention, a fire can burn forever. And that's what Paul is saying. Stir it up. Rekindle. The gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You see, remember we studied last or, or in, in First Timothy and we see that it was prophesied that little Timmy would be in ministry. Remember it was prophesied. Now who prophesied? You know, the, the Bible says that the, the elders laid hands on him. It could have been the elders, but it could have been somebody who had the gifts of gift of, of prophecy. You know, like straight up thus said the Lord. Little Timmy is going to be in ministry. Little Timmy will be a pastor. Thus said the Lord. And then the elders lay the hands. And then what's written here, Paul also laid his hands on them. It's so beautiful. And then you have people today, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. That was just for, you know, the early church 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. That's not for today. Look at what the church is missing out on. When you have pastors that teach that, pastors who do not see in their lives the gifts or power of moving of the Holy Spirit like we see in the book of Acts, and they don't see that because of their own carnal living, because of their own powerless lives, because of their own disobedience to the Word of God, and all of a sudden because of their own 
bad recipe, the formula isn't right with them, they come up with excuses and they conclude in light of the defunct, they conclude, well, that was for 2000 years ago. It's not for today. And that's what they teach to the flock. And then the flock, they run with it. Well, you know, my pastor says that that was for 2000 years ago. So that's not for today. So, okay, I guess we can't have the, the gifts or the moving of the Holy Spirit like we see in the book of Acts. And then it perpetuates it and goes on and on and on and on. And you have people today. Big denominations, big churches. Oh, yeah, that was for 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit doesn't work. That was for that dispensation. And they try to, you know, wrap it around speaking Christianese. Oh, that was for that that dispensation. You, you talk with a non-believer about dispensation. You know what they're going to say? What in the world is that? What do you mean dispensation? Just, you know, speak English. You know, you know, I teach from America, I speak English, but I mean, if you live in wherever it is, you know, speak, make it, the word of God is, the Lord doesn't make it hard. The Lord doesn't make it hard. You don't have to sound like you're an academic. I mean, look at the, look at the academics in the, in the days of Christ, in his earthly ministry. The academics, the religious establishment. They were way off and they killed them. You see, the Romans did too, both Jew and Gentile. Look at the religious leaders with Paul. They wanted him dead. The brainiacs, the academics, the religious establishment. There is a religious establishment in the last days. You see? And they're blind. And people make up excuses. Oh, nobody has the gifts of prophecy, so okay, therefore that was for 2,000 years ago. No, well, why don't we see that? Why is it that we don't see that? Now, you see it in some churches. The real deal, not what's faked. You see the real deal. You see somebody who has the gift of prophecy, somebody who has the gift of tongues, somebody who has the gift of interpretation. Don't forget the greatest gift is love. You see? And a person can prophesy, you know, thus saith the Lord, the Lord desires that this person is a become a pastor. Okay, so the elders, you know, everybody's in agreement, you know, nothing, you know, testing the spirits. As overseers do. Elders lay hands. And that child is taught. Because the real deal, gifts of the Spirit, that's what the Spirit of... The Lord communicates. There is a moving of the Spirit. But in these last days, you also see powerless lives people with no power of the spirit and it's going to get worse because the it is prophesied apostasy it is prophesied the you know the christians asleep it is also prophesied that lamps will run out of oil no oil for the lamps you see Light will be found among the remnant. 
and only the remnant. Only the remnant is where light will be found. And don't forget strong delusion. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Strong delusion as a result of not loving the truth. Now, you understand prophecy and it's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, like, who can stand? Well, you have to be a Berean with a noble heart. Love truth. A profound love of truth. And the Lord knows. The Lord sees. He knows. Nobody can fake it with the Lord. He knows. These are things that we will see in the last days. People say, well, there's no, there's no church in the book of Revelation after chapter 4 because, you know, it's been raptured. No, 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 no. It goes from church to saint for a reason. Not because of the rapture. It's because the church enters judgment. You see? The church enters judgment. Now it goes at the individual level. From the group level, now it goes to the individual level. From church to saint. Now, if you're listening and you haven't listened to our studies on the rapture, go, you know, thewayunderground.com and there's information and there's studies there on, you know, uh, last day's prophecy and you could hear and you can understand because we go through the prophecies. Jacob's trouble, timing of the rapture, studies in the Thessalonian letters. Listen to those studies imperative in these last days. It's so beautiful when you see this one-on-one letter, Paul to Timothy. And Paul, old man Paul, about ready to die and reminding little Timmy. I say little Timmy, but Timothy could be like this big, gigantic bodybuilder, but I bet you in the eyes of Paul, he's like, that's my little boy. I don't care how big Timothy was. Paul probably saw him, that's my little boy. And Paul is saying, Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. In verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Very interesting. You know, when, when, when Moses would write, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And then we get into like Joshua chapter 1. And in Joshua chapter 1, what does the Lord say? You know, uh, be strong and courageous. Do not fear for I am with you. You see a lot of parallels with this leadership. Moses and Joshua, Paul and Timothy. It's just like the Lord says to Joshua. Now, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in Joshua chapter 1. And, you know, it was difficult because it was kind of like a different perspective, a different tenor, but very, very important, especially in light of recipe and formula, something we all must understand And Paul saying to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, which is dunamis. Dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. There's a lot of power in this thick of dynamite. 
and of love, the greatest gift, and of a sound mind. Sound mind here is translates in the Greek as self-control, discipline, sober, and safe. You see? And when we understand formula, this is a one-on-one letter. Paul wrote it to Timothy. Timothy read it, received it, read it. How, you know, how it happened? I don't know. But it's the Lord that leaked it. Because he wants you and me to know what the formula is. So that you and me can know that with this guy, it is safe. It is safe for me to submit myself to this guy. With this guy, it is safe for me to submit. With this other guy, nope, he's a freak show. With this other guy, nope, he's a freak show. With this other guy, nope, he's a freak show. With this other guy, nope, he's a servant of Satan. Nope, with this other guy, nope, not him. He wants to go to the law. He's a servant of Satan, Delphos. Remember our study in Galatians? The Lord is the one who leaked this one-on-one letter so that we can know. You see, in this one-on-one letter, Paul's not writing like, you know, not to suggest heresy, but he's not saying like, you know, ha ha, we, we tricked the Christians. Now, you know, drink it up, Timothy. No. It's even more strict for the pastors because they can't be without hypocrisy. It's even more strict for the pastors. It's to a higher degree and rightfully so. You know why? Because pastors, teachers will be held to a stricter account. You see, it's not Paul writing to Timothy, you know, haha, you know, we had our little secret lifestyle. Nobody knew and we did this and we partied over here. We partied over there. You don't see that. You see it in the church today. But with the full package, you don't see that. None of that nonsense. But you see that in church today. When you go to the the website, The Way Underground. There's something there called danger in the camp. Check that out. Make sure you're sitting down because it will rock your world. Danger in the camp. Things that are going on inside the church have gone on inside the church. Things that were hidden by the church. I'm not talking about, you know, Catholics and their molestation of kids and, you know, hiding and protecting and shielding uh, 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 priests. No, that's Catholicism. That's another doctrine. It's not Christianity. I'm talking about Christians that did this. Pastors. Pastors that would... Move the church would find out. Well, this pastor was doing this with the kids, molesting the kids, and raped this girl, and raped this boy, and did this. And you know what the church did? They sent the pastor away, not to prison. What they should have done. They sent him away. Well, you know, we're in Arkansas, and we're gonna have you go serve in this church in Maine, shielding him from the authorities, from the police. You see. Providing safety. Providing safety. That's why we, the Lord leaked these letters. 
so that we can understand formula and understand, no, this formula is wrong. And where this formula is wrong, it is dangerous to submit to. You see? The pastors need to be of sound mind. I mean, in these studies through the pastoral epistles, we have to emphasize these are pastors. This is Paul to Timothy, Paul to Titus. These are pastors, not run-of-the-mill. It's hardcore, but it's hardcore for a reason. Because we have to know who it is that I can safely submit myself to, knowing that he or she, I mean, if you no, say he or she, now if you're like, fem- if you're a teacher, teacher of female, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like Chloe, you know, teacher and female and submitting to that. But if Chloe were to start teaching men, okay, doesn't work that way. So we, we make that emphasis I mean, in first Timothy chapter one. It's like, okay, this is as far as the females go outside of that. Now we're male only. So that when I say he or she, it's, that's what I mean. So he, now specifically going to pastor so that you and me can know who do I submit myself to? Doctrine. Doctrine has to be sound. Doctrine is sound. Okay, now we look at the additives. Remember package one, package two, package three, package four. Full package. See, anybody can say, follow me as I follow Christ. But when you understand formula, Somebody says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's like, nope, that guy's following another Christ, not the Christ of the Bible. You see, this guy is following another Christ. And when you're a Berean with a noble heart, okay, wow, this guy, you know, it is safe. I know that it is safe to submit myself. I know that he watches out for my soul. Very rare. They're out there. But it's rare and it's going to get even more rare as we get further and further and further and further into the events of the last days. You see? And praise be to the Lord. Because we have these pastoral epistles so that we can know. And so Paul says in verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This, you know, I love this so much. I mean, picture the mockers with Timothy. Picture the mockers. Oh, Timothy, you believe in Jesus? You're so stupid. You're such a dummy. You don't want to get drunk with us? You're so stupid. You're such a dummy. Where did you learn this junk, Timothy? Who taught you, Timothy? Paul? That jailbird? That guy in prison? You're so stupid. That guy who's rotting in jail? Oh my goodness, you two are the biggest dummies. And Paul is saying, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And now you have this beautiful invitation. Shepherd to shepherd. He says, but share with me in the sufferings. This word for sufferings, it's in the Greek, it's sukakopatheo. Sukakopatheo. That's what it is in the Greek. Sukakopatheo. 
Now, it's it's sun s u n. It's it's sukako patheo, but when the the how the breakdown of it is sun and then kako patheo. Remember when we did the study of the word sun, like episunagage. It's closeness. Like, you know, the word with and, you know, the word soon and it, you know, which can be transcribed as, as, as with, but it's deeper. Soon is different, like episunagage. When you see soon, it's different, S-U-N. When you see soon, it's a different ballgame. It, it's such a closeness of intimacy. And in this beautiful invitation, Paul is saying, share with me in these sufferings. Sukako patheo, which is have this deep intimacy with suffering. Why? Well, he says in verse 8, for the gospel. How? He says it still in verse 8. According to the power of God. Remember Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 when he said, it's, it's Jesus who put me in this ministry. Jesus is the one who put me here. Remember? And in accordance to this power of God in verse 9, who has saved us and called us. Remember, this is one-on-one. This is Paul saying to Timothy, who has saved you and me, Timothy, who has called you and me, Timothy, with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. According to his own purpose. I'll say it again. According to his own purpose. Do you know what this means in the Greek? Prothesis in the Greek. You know what that means? Showbread in the temple. Amen. If you've been walking with us for a while, you reflect back to our Old Testament studies on Wednesdays, our studies through the book of Leviticus, our studies in the last chapters of Exodus, the blueprints that were given to Moses in the cloud on the mountain. The holy of holies, the holy place, and the tabernacle, and the 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 the, uh, the courtyard, and you know the altar, and all these things. And don't forget, in that inner place, not the holy of holies, but you know the the holy place. What do you see there? The showbread. And then you get into Leviticus, and what do you see? The showbread. And the showbread. Old Testament, Leviticus, not without leaven, not without leaven, and yet showbread. Now, not not to suggest impurities in the tabernacle. But as a shadow of things to come, how the Lord can take 
your impurities and my impurities. And there's only one way. There is only one way that in the state of the flesh to have that proximity to Jesus as showbread. It's with intimacy with Jesus. Showbread. I don't care what you've done. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, Buddha, Mary, tax cheat, the gambling, the whatever it is, murder. I don't care. I mean, if it's murder and, you know, like criminal activity, it's like, okay, you come to Christ, receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then, okay, now you got to call the police and say, look, it was me. I did it. Because we have to have clear conscience before the Lord. But I don't. You're a stripper, you're a prostitute, you're a drug dealer, you, you do drugs, you're a user. Listen, I don't care. But I do care about your soul. You repent. And you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know what? Jesus cleans his own fish. He'll clean you up. He'll clean you up. And I tell you from experience, he'll clean you up. You see? Now you see in Leviticus, now you see it's not unleavened bread. The showbread is not unleavened. Because the Lord can take any, anybody, whosoever, Anybody, sex, drugs, rock and roll, prostitution, the whole nine yards. He can take anybody, clean them up, and use them for his glory. See, Satan doesn't want you to know that. You see? But there's this very specific formula. I mean, he remember in uh, in our study in the Corinthian letters, First Corinthians chapter three and four, and three and four, and in chapter four, and like you know, you guys are like the kings of you guys are like kings. Speaking to the the field, remember we make the distinction between field and worker. You guys are like the kings. The Lord cleans you up, and you know you live to honor the Lord and praise be to the Lord. But us, the workers, we're like the scum of the earth. We're the trash. That's what Paul says of himself and the workers. You see, listen to our study through the Corinthian letters. You'll understand more. Growing and maturing in Christ is very important. But I love that we see this showbread. As new covenant believers with this backdrop of the studies through Torah. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our studies in Exodus when the Lord gave Moses the blueprints in the cloud on the mountain. You remember the, the buildup of the blueprints in Leviticus. You remember the showbread. And then all of a sudden, as New Covenant believers, Paul to Timothy, one-on-one, 
And in verse 9, Paul says, He saved you and me, Timmy. Little Timmy, he saved us. He called you and me, little Timmy, with a holy calling. It's not according to our works, little Timmy, but according to his own purpose. Prothesis, showbread in the temple. Now, if that wasn't enough, he goes even further. And grace, which was given to us. Remember, one-on-one letter. You and me, Timmy. You and me. Given to us in Christ Jesus. Before time began. Whoa. Understand that predestination is a biblical truth. Predestination is a biblical truth. But... It requires ears and obedience and understand that God can write anyone who is astray. You see, but ears to hear and obedience are required. There is a brand of faith called Calvinism and Reformed theology, which is wrong. And what they say about predestination is wrong. They say that God predestines people to heaven and God predestines people to hell. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're Calvinist, if you're Reformed theology, I love you. I love you. But I also say this. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, My people, listen to our studies. Listen to our studies. Go to the page that has the, uh, uh, for Calvinists and Reformed theology and listen to our studies. You'll understand more about biblical predestination. Before time began, Paul says to Timothy. In Paul, he has alignment to God. Paul, as for Paul himself, as one individual one individual vessel alignment with the lord timothy alignment with the lord this is the realm of very few remember of timothy paul says there is no one as like-minded who sincerely cares for your soul Remember what Paul says just in this very in this very chapter in verse 3, 4, and 5. That without ceasing and with a pure conscience, Paul prays for little Timmy night and day. That he greatly des- desires to see him, being mindful of Timothy's tears. That I may be filled with joy, he says. And in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genu- genuine faith that is in you. And in verse 5, which dwelt first in your grandmother and your mother, and I am persuaded is in you as well. Now, with this kind of alignment, when the kind that Paul says to Timothy, liking it to showbread in the temple, One-on-one, remember, not like the average bear, not the -the run-of-the-mill pastor. 
with this kind of alignment unto the Lord and together with each other, with this kind of alignment, which is very rare, very beautiful, but very rare. What do you think Satan will do? What do you think Satan will do? You see, it puts our studies in the book of Acts in a, not a different perspective, but it, still the same perspective, but it just kind of augments the opposition knowing that the opposition is going to intensify and it does intensify what do you think satan will do when satan sees the formula is right in paul formula is right in timothy the two are together and they're straight up fighting they're straight up like you know they're they're warriors and they're advancing what do you think Satan is going to do? You see, he absolutely has a battle plan. Satan absolutely has a battle plan. We have to be wise. And so we see in verse 10, speaking of this purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began in verse 10 but has now been revealed or declared by the appearing or the manifestation of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death remember Paul's in prison his release not looking good his release not looking good and he knows that the likelihood of death is very high now if it were just him that would be one thing but he's inviting Timothy to share in this suffering, reminding Timothy that death has no sting. You see? And in this one-on-one -on -one letter, you and me, little Timmy, Paul is reminding him. You see? Paul, at this moment, he's about ready to be beheaded. But saints are leaving him. Ministry leaders are leaving him. The cost of being a Christian is very high, life-threatening. And this invitation to Timothy... When verse 8, when he says, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God. We're surrounded by such beautiful, a beautiful, great cloud of witnesses. Who are no strangers to suffering. And Paul is reminding Timothy that Jesus Christ has abolished death. That death has no sting in verse 10 and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The good news of the gospel is available to all, but not 
all receive. It is a choice. Remember the example we gave several weeks, several months ago about the gift? You give me a gift. You know, you knock on my door and you give me a gift. I open the door. I say, get out of here. I don't receive the gift. You knock on the door. I say, hi, nice to meet you. You say, here's a gift. I say, okay, I take it. You leave. I leave it at the doorstep. I never took it. You knock on my door, I open the door, say, hey, how you doing? You give me the gift, I take it, I open it, undo the bow, I open it. Oh my goodness, this is such a beautiful gift. I've always wanted this. And then I realize, like, oh my goodness, I love you. Why did you give me this gift? And then you say, because I love you. You see, I received the gift. The first times I said, okay, nice to meet you, but get out of here. I never received it. And then I, you know, I grab it. I say, thank you. You know, you walk away. I see you, you know, you're gone. And then as I leave it at the doorstep, it rots there all season. But then I open it and I receive it. Oh my goodness. I love this. And I'm going to cherish this forever. I love you. Why did you give this to me? And you say, because I love you. You see? I receive the gift, and now like we, we have this love, love feast. We have this fellowship. We have this intimacy. And that's the gift of salvation. That's what it's like with Jesus Christ. It's a gift to all whosoever but not everybody receives now the Calvinists would say they don't receive because God predestined them to hell that is unbiblical they don't receive because light came into the world but people love darkness more than the light that's the get out of here get out of here example thanks but I don't want it Because light came into the world, but I love darkness better. That's nice. You talk about Jesus Christ. That's nice, but I like my crack. You see? Oh, that's nice. Jesus loves me. Okay, that's nice. But I like the sex. I like the drugs. I like the alcohol. You see? Light came into the world, but people love darkness more more than the light. You see? That's what the Bible says. People love darkness more than the light. Oh, but I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But you know what? I like my crack more. I like my sex more. I like the strippers more. I like Buddha more. I like the gambling more. Light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. And so we continue here. In verse 10, this, through this immortality to light through the gospel that we see in verse 10, this gospel, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. If, you know, sometimes I talk to non-believers. Sometimes I talk to the Satanists. Very recently talking to a homosexual Satanist who at the very beginning of our conversation, it was very heated. I mean, not a, I, I'm not argumentative, you know, I I don't get that way. You know, I used to when I was stupid, you know, when I was young, you know, not, you know, I was a, you know, a baby, you know, get a little, 
Now it's like you want to call me a dummy? That, that I don't care. Having this conversation with this homosexual Satanist. Very argumentative at first. And we have this lengthy conversation. And he's just like blown away. He's like, well, I've never, I've encountered all kinds of different Christians before. But I've never heard it put like this. And you cite this, you cite this, you cite this. Pray for him, homosexual Satanist. Because I want him to be in the fold of Christ. And if you're listening, you know who you are. I want you to know that I love you. And I pray for you. And I want you to be in the fold of Christ. Now, I'm thinking of a particular homosexual Satanist. But that might not be you. You might be like, well, you know, hey, I just I just smoked. You know, I don't do that. But I just, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I drink a little whiskey from now and then. But I don't do that. Okay, listen, it's for you. I want you to be in the fold of Christ. See, gift, free gift. But it must be received. In order for you to be in the fold of Christ, this gift of salvation must be received. And it is received when you believe in Jesus Christ, you repent and you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And if you want to do that, do it right here, right now. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. Speaking of this gospel, he says in verse 11, to which I was appointed a preacher, which is to herald truth, an apostle, which is to be a messenger, and a teacher, which is to be an instructor of the Gentiles, he says. For this reason, I also suffer these things. You know, I also in the Greek, you know what that word is? And you know it, if you've been walking with us for a while, you know it. For this reason, I also, or Kai, K-A-I, Kai. For this reason, I, for this reason, Kai suffered these things. That's how it translates. Which means there's inclusivity with this calling of Paul. You're called to be a preacher. You're called to be an apostle. You're called to be a teacher. Expect to suffer. Expect it. It's a very holy bubble. Likened to showbread. Very holy. You see, we're living in a time. Now, understand that apostasy is prophesied. The church asleep prophesied. Pseudodelphos prophesied. Ministers of Satan presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness prophesied. Many Christs prophesied. See, 
We have this formula that the Lord has given us because he wants us to know what is the full package. How do I know that I can safely submit myself to these people who call themselves pastors? These are things that we look for. I mean, when we see full package, you know what we also see? Suffering. Suffering. Don't expect Mr. Popularity. Don't expect megachurch. Don't expect hundreds and hundreds. Maybe don't even expect expect a hundred. Don't even expect fifty. Expect suffering. I mean, full package, expect suffering. No package, expect Mr. Popularity. You see? I mean, the Bible's not new. The Bible's been in circulation for a long time. And, you know, in one regard, that's a good thing. But in another regard, every single one of us We are without excuse. The Bible teaches us. The Bible shows us. And so Paul, this word Kai, there's inclusivity with this calling of being a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, a messenger to herald truth and instruct. Included in that is suffering. And he says in verse 12, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded or convinced that he is able to keep, which is to watch and guard, but is also to save. Now it's like, wait a second, is it it to guard or is it to save? Well, I'll give you an example. If you and me, you and me, say we're posted as guards, you and me, we're, and we're not run-of-the-mill guards. We're hardcore. Wolf comes, wolf dies. We're not like, you know, and when I say, wolf, you know, metaphysically speaking, false teacher comes, false teacher dies, metaphysically speaking. Now, there's that aspect of guarding, protecting, shielding, and being on watch. There's that aspect. But then when you look inward, just like, just like the moms at the playground. They're on guard. They're on watch. But then when you look inward, the children are safe. And that's what it's like with pastors. They're on watch. They're on guard. And the flock of God is safe. And this is the word that is used to describe that, to be on watch, to be on guard, but then also to be safe. To sa- it's like the, the, the object of the, the, the purpose of the guard is to protect the flock of God. But the Lord does the same thing when we see, when Paul says that I am persuaded, or I am convinced that he is able to keep what I've committed to him. What did Paul commit to him? His life. Sold out to the Lord. 
And he says, it's until that day. Knowing that Paul committed his life to Jesus Christ and is in this invitation to this pastor. Not run-of-the-mill pastor. Paul's about ready to be beheaded and saying to Timothy, join me in this invitation. Join me and share with me in this suffering. Pastoring is not a popularity contest. It's the exact opposite. It's until that day, the return of Jesus Christ. And prophetically speaking, especially with the backdrop of our study in the Thessalonian letters, the living will by no means precede the dead. And this is Paul's exhortation to Timothy. This beautiful, beautiful, holy bubble where Paul says, without ceasing, I pray for you night and day. And I have a clear conscience in verse 3, verse 4. But yes, I desire to see you in this close intimacy. And I'm mindful of your tears that I may be filled of joy. These tears, these aren't emotional basket cases. These are straight up warriors. Their tears are loaded. That I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. These are attributes, these full package that we see here in these pastoral epistles. It is highly rare, but it is so beautiful. So beautiful. It is safe to submit to Paul. It is safe to submit to Timothy. When Timothy says, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. When Titus says, follow me as I follow Christ. It is safe. It is safe. But when Grave Soaker says, follow me as I follow Christ. No, not safe. When Study Bible Guy who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. When he says, follow me as I follow Christ. No, you follow him. That's hello lake of fire. You take the mark of the beast? No, that's like a fire. The Lord is showing us the recipe. The Lord is showing us the full package. In verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words, which translates in the Greek as to keep and hold to this pattern of teaching uncorrupted truth, which you have heard from me. You see, this vessel, speaking of Paul, New wine flows from new wineskin and pouring into the next vessel, which is Timothy. Paul pouring into Timothy. And when you consider Timothy, don't forget mama. Don't forget grandma. Pouring into little boy Timothy. You see? Which you have heard from me in verse 13 in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Understand, Jesus is the head pastor. When you see faith and love, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the greatest gift being love. Remember our study through 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, verse 13, or chapter 13. He says that good thing in verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
See, dwells in us. Remember, this is a one-on-one letter. Who dwells in us, you and me, little Timmy, you and me. That this, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, little Timmy, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And today you have people, oh, the Holy Spirit, that was for another dispensation. That's not for today. And they make excuses for their powerless lives. You see? This you know. This you know in verse 15. That all those in Asia have turned away from me. Turned away. Also translates as to turn away in perversion, which has sexual connotations, absolutely, in perversion. But perversion of truth, understand that perversion of truth always, always, always leads to apostasy. He says, among whom are Phygelus, Phygelus and Hermogenes. You see, there's nothing that is written about these two, Phygelus and Hermogenes. Probably some kind of teacher or a pastor or perhaps influencer, some kind of influencer to cause the turning away. But what's happening here is that people are starting to leave Paul. You see, also understand it. Remember, the cost of being a Christian is intensifying greatly. And you have saints who are turning away from Paul. Believers who are turning away from Paul and his teachings. He says in verse 16, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me. I love that. You know, I can't wait to meet this guy. Onesiphorus. I can't wait to meet him. You know, have you ever met somebody that's like stubbornly hospitable? Like in a beautiful way? They're kind of stubborn. They're very hospitable, but in a, in, a, in a beautiful, stubborn way. Like, you know, like I can just see Paul, you know, like, you know, no, no thanks. You know, you know, I'll sleep over here. No thanks. I know you're offering me. But then there's like a stubborn guy who's like, nope. You're, you're not going to sleep in the field. You're not going to sleep in the barn. You're not going to, you know, no, you're, you're come here, grab his arm here, like stubbornly hospitable. No, you will have this meal. You will sleep here. And that's how it's going to be. You know, sometimes every now and then you come across beautiful, beautiful people who are stubbornly hospitable in a good way, not in a bad way, but in a good way. How Paul went out of his way not to be a burden. And Paul didn't want to be a burden on anybody. And yet you have (laughs) beautiful Onesiphorus. And he often refreshed me, Paul says, which is to relieve and cool off. A little rest for Paul. And was not ashamed of my chain. Imagine the people in Onesiphorus in his circle. Imagine the people in his circle. You're so stupid, Onesiphorus. You listen to Paul? The jailbird, the guy who's in prison, you listen to him? The guy who was beat up last week? 
The guy who everybody hates. The guy, look, I heard the Christians in Asia, they're turning away from him. And you listen to him? You listen to that guy? Everybody's left him. But the Bereans? They don't see anything wrong with Paul. Such as Onesiphorus. What's wrong with Paul? Where is Paul wrong? Show me where he's wrong. Show me where he's wrong. I mean, put yourself in the sandals of Onesiphorus. Put yourself in his sandals. You know, on the on the receiving end of people saying, Oh, Paul's so stupid. Paul's so stupid. Look, the saints in Asia, they left him. And look, he's such a dirtbag. And oh, there's this and that. That's nice. They can say whatever they want. But when you put yourself in Onesiphorus' sandals, it's like, Okay, I know you say this. Show me in the Bible where Paul is wrong. I know you think he's wrong based on your feelers. I know you think he's wrong based on what this guy says and what that guy says and what this lady says and what this lady says and what that lady says and what that guy says. But they got their own issues. Show me in the Bible. Show me in the word of God where Paul is in the wrong. Show me. You see? The Bereans don't see anything wrong with Paul. And that's the beauty about loving truth. There's safety in the truth. Spiritual safety. Eternal safety. In truth. Remember Jesus says a time is coming and is here now where people will worship God, worship the Lord in spirit, in spirit, and in truth. See, you and me, we must have a deep, profound love of truth. No matter how much it hurts, a deep, Profound love of truth. Understanding formula. So that the formula and recipe within our hearts, within our minds can be right. And in ministry, within our hearts, within our minds, the steps of our feet, the works of our hands can be right before the Lord. Because remember, remember the challenge in Leviticus? That we can be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And when you understand formula... It helps. It helps us to that end to achieve, to be that sweet aroma unto the Lord. When a person chooses wisely, I mean, you know, like you're at the fork in the road where the Bible says, you know, uh, don't see the prostitutes. And then a guy sees the prostitutes. You know, don't go to the strippers. Don't do the crack. Don't do, do the Buddha. Don't do the Mary. Don't do the, the Ouija boards. Don't do the occult. Don't do the, you know, all kinds of different things. Don't do the Krishnas. Don't do this. And yet a person chooses that. Okay, listen, they made their choice. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. And that's what's so beautiful about Bereans. Being a Berean with a noble heart. Loving truth with a noble heart. And the Lord sees. Onesiphorus, he wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. Imagine the people. 
You're going to listen to that jailbird Onesiphorus? Everybody's leaving him. Look, he's so stupid. You're going to listen to that guy? Where's where is Paul wrong? Onesiphorus could go back to these guys. Show me where Paul is wrong. Oh, well, you know, he said that this guy shouldn't be in the church anymore. The guy's having sex with his dad's wife. You see? He says that this lady can't be in the church. She's extortion. She's doing extortion. You see? And it was like uncorrected. It's not like it was like day one and he said, you're out. It was over the course of time. It, it, it was never repented of. You see? And so, reactionary, he had to, as a shepherd, obedient to the Lord, he had to. They forced his hand, he had to. Why? For the remnant. So that the remnant can be safe. You see? So that we Bereans can be safe and fellowship and bear one another's burdens. So that I can bear the burden of this guy knowing that he's not going to try to touch me. I can bear the burdens of this lady knowing that she's not going to try to slip me some crack. You know, I can bear the burdens of this other guy and know that he's not going to want to cook spoons. And, you know, and entice me here. Keeping the house clean before the Lord. So that the saints can safely bear one another's burdens. And in obedience to the Lord, that's what shepherds do. You see? Full package. Onesiphorus, show me where he's wrong. You can say what you want about Paul, but I'm not ashamed of his chain. I mean, in fact, it's a source of joy for me. I love his chain. I love Paul's chain. Why? Because I know why he's there. He's not there because he's a mean guy. He's not there because he committed murder. He's not there because they beat anybody up. It's just the opposite. He's there because of Jesus Christ. He's suffering. Because of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of him. Whenever I see him, a. Hey, uh, you know, I know you don't want to be a burden, Paul, but look, I'm grabbing your hand and nope, you're going to sleep right here. You know? I know you don't want to be a burden, but I'm going to make you the best meal. You sit down right here. We're going to fellowship and tell me everything. Tell me, you know, we're going to have this sweet fellowship and you're going to love this, you know. I'm going to make some mean enchiladas. You see? Of these other people, no, you can say what you want about Paul, but hey, I read my Bible. You know, I'm a Berean. I love the truth. I read my Bible and I see nothing wrong. You see? And not only that, look at verse 17. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. This is Onesiphorus. And, you know, looking for Paul. Looking for him. Now, don't forget, Paul's imprisonment had allowances for visitation. 
But you know, today we have these modern technologies. You hit a button, you know, you drop a pin in your on your phone. You put a pin in your phone. It's like you know, you, all of a sudden it says turn left, turn right, turn left, and you know, you, you you get to your destination. But back in the day, you had to like ask people. And Paul wasn't well liked in every single circle, and yet in tremendous zeal, Onesiphorus arrived in Rome, asking people, "Hey, have you heard of this guy Paul? He's a Christian. Oh, you dumb Christians, get out of my face!" He goes away. Next guy. Oh, excuse me, miss. Have you heard of, of of a guy, Paul? His name is Paul. Have you have you heard of him? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I heard about him. And this guy over across the way, this guy, you know, on the other block, you know, two houses down or whatever, you know, he might have some information for you. And I, you know, we have, we're so spoiled now, you know. Now you just drop a pin and boom, it says turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. But Onesiphorus arrives in Rome. Rome is a big area too. It's not like, you know, a little neighborhood. And he seeks out Paul. Where is Paul? He's in prison now. But I'm going to visit my friend. <laughs> he sought me out very zealously. And found me. Don't, don't forget the risk of Onesiphorus. You know, Christians were you know necessarily like you know the uh, considered to be like you know the the the, uh, the 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 best of society back then. I mean, the cost of being a Christian is very heavy. It's very dangerous for Onesiphorus to ask. Have you heard of Paul? I mean, don't forget Paul's in prison. Think about what the people would say. Oh, are you a Christian too? Yeah, Paul's in jail. Are you, are you a Christian too? It's not just like, you know, excuse me, miss, where do I go? Excuse me, sir, where do I go? No, that's a dangerous feat. Asking around for this messenger of the way. And he found him. Beautiful fellowship. Beautiful, beautiful fellowship. Look at how beautiful. You, you, you see what I mean when I say stubborn hospitality? <laughs> Where is Paul? I want to comfort him. Where is Paul? I know these people say this, they talk a lot of mess, they say this, they say whatever they want. But listen, I read my Bible, I read this, I read that, you know, and hey, I don't see anything wrong. Nothing wrong. You see? And Paul says of this beautiful, beautiful soul in verse 18, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well, how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Remember, one-on-one -on -one letter. Paul writing to Timothy. And he makes mention of Onesiphorus with this beautiful, stubborn hospitality. 
and how he ministered to Paul in Ephesus. And Timothy knows very well. Remember, Timothy's in a very special bubble. He sees. You see how beautiful this is? And in this invitation, Paul saying to Timothy to join with me in these sufferings, understanding that all in Asia have turned away from Paul. And yet in heart and in spirit, Timothy and Onesiphorus, they chose differently from the masses of Asia. They turned away the the saints in Asia. They turned away from Paul. Timothy and Onesiphorus, they chose differently. I have something to say to ministry leaders, male and female, pastors, male, elders, male. When I say ministry leaders, teachers, female too. Don't expect to be liked by the masses. Do not expect to be liked by the masses. But expect koinonia, ecclesia, episunagage, oneness and intimacy among the Bereans and the remnant. When Paul says to the saints in Corinth, why not rather let yourselves be cheated? Remember that exhortation, which is pretty radical. I mean, what saint do you know lets themselves be cheated? Every every saint, oh, I have my rights, I have my rights, I have my rights. How dare you do this? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? I have my rights and... Oh, you're not respecting me. You're not respecting me. And I demand this and I demand that. But how many saints do you know let themselves be cheated? And when Paul exhorts the saints, the saints of Corinth, he's no stranger to that very thing because he's letting himself be cheated. He tells them by his own experience. I have let myself be cheated and this is how I teach. Let yourselves be cheated. He's not a hypocrite. He's not saying, you know, let yourselves be cheated and I'm going to go live it up in Rome. No. People say, oh, but Paul stood for his rights. And when he did, look at what happened to the church. They were safe. It cost him his head. Oh, Paul stood up for his rights. He stood up for his rights. Yeah. The saints. The saints are safe. Him, no head. You see? He's teaching by experience. We're going to end our study here and pick up next week in the next chapter. But to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days whom I love. God bless you. I love you.